Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? It's the beginning of a brand new odyssey. Um, we've got no idea where this is going to go, how long it's going to last for, even whether it'll be any fucking good or not. But <coughs> what we're doing now is The Twits, which of course is the classic book written by Roald Dahl. Let's get it out of the way early on. Early on, Roald Dahl was a terrible, terrible anti-Semite. Mm. And the fact that his books are still read and celebrated these days makes me feel a little bit icky. But there we the are. The fact that two men, self-processed, self-professed progressive liberals would be celebrating this book on their wildly popular podcast. Yeah. By extension, probably leading to a small spike in sales, which would contribute more money to the estate of Roald Dahl. The Dahl Foundation. Yeah. The Dahl Foundation. In a way, yeah, probably we've made a mistake, but here we are now, so... (laughs) Shit. Bollocks. One minute, 15 seconds in, and we've realised this has been a terrible... Well, let's just use this as an opportunity to say racism's wrong, Mm. anti-Semitism is pathetic and wrong, Uh, don't do it, and also, this is a new line of mine, anyone who you suspect does do it, completely cut them out of your life. That's that's my new zero tolerance policy yeah. with racists, anti Semites, all that. I just yeah. now it's just like, do you know what? We can't afford to give an inch anymore. So just you'll very rarely be able to convince anyone of your because if, if you if you're someone who are is racist, anti Semitic or any other form of racist, then you are quite troubled, angry, possibly quite stupid so so it's going to be very difficult to to win them round so my attitude is focus on doing positive things for any oppressed minority Mm. and cut the awful people out of your life even if they seem 90% good but there's little but there are little hints that they give you on a regular basis about prejudice drop them Completely not even try and re-educate them. Not even try to point out where they're they're going wrong. Drop the cunts. I don't know. Maybe it's an age. Maybe if you're a younger (laughs) listener and there are younger people around you, I think maybe maybe you've got a better chance. But I, in my life now, I just haven't got time for people like that. I just like... The the biggest punishment I can give them is denying them access to me, Sam Delaney. 
What will I you think, tell yeah. them? Will you tell them why access has been denied? Uh, will you, will you send I've a formal letter, for example? Sorry, mate, but you know what? No one ever... If you go like this to a racist, sorry, I'm not your mate anymore, it's because you're a racist. No one's ever going to go, yeah, so what? I am a racist, right? No racist <laughs> has ever said, yes, I'm racist. The, yeah. the, the key thing that a racist always says is, listen, I am not racist, trust me. The last <laughs> thing I am is a racist. All I'm saying is. Yeah. And uh, so it's very difficult. But just cut them out of your life. But okay. Roald Dahl was an anti-Semite, but he wrote good stories that were very charming and entertaining. Yeah. Just like Michael Jackson was a nonce, but he wrote some of the greatest pop songs of all time. Yeah. So, so with all that in mind, let's just get on with it, I suppose. Um, the Twits, uh, first published, it says 1980. I thought it was much earlier than that. It's, it's quite a late period, doll. Yeah, this I, is when I he was doing Tales being, of the Unexpected. Yeah, I remember it being late period, doll, though, because I remember when you're very young, you, you got all your Charlie and Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, and then suddenly, when this came out, it felt like a bit, like a lot more kind of anarchic. Mm. James and the Giant Peach, I found absolutely terrifying when I was a kid. Yeah. I thought it was mental, really scary. I saw a film of it a few years ago. That was really mental and scary as well. All this stuff about Aunt Sponge and Aunt Spiker and the fucking insects. Oh, I can't, even thinking about it now freaks me out. But when he did the tweets and then around the same time, maybe later, things like George's Marvelous Medicine, mm. the B.I.G., Witches, it seemed a little bit more in the modern world. I mean, this is basically, this could easily exist as a great thriller or a plotline in EastEnders or Corey is about a deeply dysfunctional couple locked in a toxic relationship, isn't it? That's yeah. quite simply what it is. It's a universal theme, isn't it? It yeah. speaks to all of us, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's illustrated, uh, of course, by Quentin Blake. Mm. Do you remember when Quentin Blake used to do Jack and Ori and he would draw the story as he was telling it? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, they're probably on YouTube. Quentin Blake used to do Jack and Ori. He'd read it a story, and he would do the drawings on a big piece of paper in front of him mm. on a board while he was doing the story. Fucking amazing stuff. Good lad, Quentin Blake. Good lad, Quentin good Blake. Lad. Yeah, not an anti-Semite, as far as we know. As far as we know, if you've got any information to suggest otherwise, get in touch and we'll decry him as well. And, Great drawings, uh, we'll, really we'll mental that drawings cunt as well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there we are we've got the the first chapter and there are many chapters they're all very short though. the first chapter is called Hairy Faces um, uh, do, well, how we, do we approach this do we read it out Will we well you never know the, where he's going of... Rod, though. I like it because he'll, he'll often start a book in a weird way where you think hang about I read a review of this in the Observer mm. at the weekend right and it said it was about a dysfunctional couple what gaslit each other Right, and I was really into that, right? Because it reminded me of my mum and dad. But I've picked it up, and the whole first fucking chapter is just a thing about geezers with beards. No nah, faces. This isn't what I fucking Fuck signed up for. Well, that's what you get. Um, and there's a great illustration by Quentin Blake there of lots of men with very hairy faces. It's kind of what it's been looking like over the last few years with the return of the lumberjack beard as a, yeah, a fashion accessory almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Fair play to Roald Dahl, he fucking knew. By the he way... saw that coming, didn't he? Just another thing that I've remembered about Roald Dahl being a cunt is that uh, yeah. you can read Kingsley Amos's 
memoirs, right? Mm. Can't remember what it's called, but what he does is rather than in King James's memoirs, rather than write a kind of a chronological autobiography, like this is where I was born, this is what happened at school. He just writes a selection of um, different chapters all about different people he's met along the way. Oh, right. right. Okay. And the heading of each chapter is that person's name. Right. And some of them are very famous, some of them yeah. not so famous, but it's just really funny. He just thinks, fuck that, you don't want to hear all the other stuff. You just want to hear what happened when I met famous people. Well, all right, yeah. cunts, here it is. And <laughs> when I got the book, the first one I turned to was Roald Dull. And I can't remember exactly, but he's basically all the way through, he's like, the first thing you've got to know about Roald Dull is that he is a fucking cunt, right? <laughs> it is an absolute fucking beautifully poetic evisceration of Roald Dull. And it's got nothing to do with his political beliefs either. He was just, right. as a man, an unpleasant and obnoxious character, right? right. Apparently, <clears throat> the, the main encounter he had with him was at some big party that had been thrown in the literary world. And he obviously King's Lamb is a huge fucking deal, right? And um, various other very famous literary figures there. And it was at some sort of country house. And suddenly there's a noise outside, and they all go to the window, and there's a fucking helicopter landing on the grass, right? And who should step off it but rolled fucking down? Oi, 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 oi. All right, cunts, how do you all get here? In a fucking car? Right. <laughs> Where's the prod ring? <laughs> Show me to it. <laughs> because apparently, like, you know, he hadn't been as famous or successful as the others for years, but he had his books had taken off. I think this was mm. in the 70s when this happened, to such a huge degree and had been adapted in so many different ways that suddenly he was fucking minted and he mm. was wanted every other cunt to know about it, right? Yeah. So he, he said, rocked... that's, Will he want a film? Yeah, pay for this fucking chopper, you cunt. Yeah, shit film. I don't know. I ain't fucking seen it. I couldn't care less, mate. <laughs> Made by a load of septic tanks, wasn't it? But I'm the cunt who flew her in an helicopter when you were stuck in traffic on the M4. <laughs> right. But he said um, he approaches Kingsley Amos at the party and all he wants to do is ask him about how much money his book's made. How much Ugh. your last book? He was all like this. How much your last book, mate? And King's James is going, oh, I don't, don't really know like that. He's going, all right, ask me how much mine, mate. Go, Go on, on, ask, ask me. me Actually, have a fucking guess. Go yeah. on. <laughs> you have three guesses. <laughs> no, higher. Yeah. No, higher. Oh, what? A mil? <laughs> you must be joking, mate. I'm not a fucking writer book for a mil. <laughs> Seriously, Kingsley, you're fucking way off, mate. Oh, God. I've got mates like that. I've got mates like that. I've got relatives like that. You can't tell them about any. You could go. Oh yeah, how's work going? Yeah, I've been. Um, it's really good actually. I've I've just won the Nobel Peace Prize, and the only thing they can compute says, "Oh yeah, did you get any money for that?" Well, there is a, there is a, a small amount that you get when you've won it. Stipend. Oh yeah, how much? Well, it's just small amount. How much? I said, give me a figure. Well, I was delighted to have received a, a gift of a hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> hundred grand? Is that all? <laughs> fucking hell! What you went for all that trouble and broke her in peace, right? In, in oh, fucking you get it, hundred grand in Israel, right? You brought peace to one of the most war-torn, historically troubled regions on planet Earth, and you got hundred grand. Fucking not worth getting out of bed for, is it? Once you paid the tax. <laughs> yes. Yes. Quite. Uh, anyway, 
<laughs> I bet you can't even afford a fucking helicopter, you mug. They fucking saw you coming, you arsehole. Yeah, fucking waste of time. Probably boring work as well, isn't it? Broker in peace. It's boring. The people yeah, really not... boring uptight, are they? Can't imagine as many laughs in it. Nah, what'd you do? Just sit. Peace. I bet. I bet you go get go for many boozy lunches. <laughs> you sit there. What'd you, you probably do? Fu- you probably fucking should have. Yeah, you might have got the job done a lot quicker. Yeah, over a few beers. Tell you. Get a few fucking beers inside of people and they agree to all sorts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, maybe I'll take that on board next time. Next time? Don't tell me you're going to fucking do it again. After you've Don't already wasted all. all that time. You must be fucking mad, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like the anyway. podcast where you get where people get drunk before they do them. I think there's the one about history, isn't there? Drunk history, mm. or there's drunk girls solving crime, or something like that. Yeah. This should be a drunk Nobel Peace Prize as an oh. alternative to the original one. Brilliant. Obama and fucking Kofi Annan pissed off their yeah. nut on the old Uzo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, Tony Blair and Jerry Adams talking about the Good Friday Agreement. <laughs> uh, I tell you another thing, right? I thought at the time he was a fucking cunt, but I kept my fucking mouth shut, didn't I? Right? That's the fucking secret to peace talks. Keep your fucking mouth shut. And the thing is, once we got sat down and we had a few beers, we worked out <laughs> we were both into Leonard Skinner. So we did a lot of talking about that, about their early, mid-70s stuff. And we realised there was a lot coming. <laughs> and everything was fucking gravy after that. Plain sailing, <laughs> wasn't it? Power sharing, fucking piece of piss, mate. <laughs> we spent most of the time talking about fucking bootlegs. <laughs> Jerry Adams, right, got an incredible fucking stash of old cassettes, right? All recorded at like concerts, like throughout the seventies, right? And he kept him in real good nick at all. Yeah, it was stuff you, you can't. I mean, you get everything on it now, but none of this stuff's on the fucking it there. He didn't even get these from record fairs. These were like private, you know, private sales. He'd been to the fucking gigs and recorded them himself. He had fucking really good equipment and that. He had a fucking microphone in his fucking beard, didn't he? <laughs> and also, yeah, he had all the paramilitary gear, didn't he? All the stuff they was using for the terrorism at the time. He'd so that one was going to fucking have a word and try and take it off him. That was going to fucking yeah. search him when he go well, and walk, walk it, like a stormtrooper. Is capable of a lot of covert activities. I mean, think about it, right? If you can get into the fucking Brighton Grand and plant a bomb, you can get into the town and country club to fucking record that kind of bellyman, can't you? I had no fucking idea, but that was what generated the money to keep the IRA going in the 1970s. It was bootleg tapes. The Eagles, All and Oats, Squeeze. Chicago, but yeah, when Chicago were good before they went fucking shit. Soft. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm Tony Blair. Thanks for listening. Take <laughs> to your friend, cunts. <laughs> don't forget to go on my Institute uh, website and leave a like. Thank you very much. Yeah, and donate if you can. Every little bit helps. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we're at the beginning of the twits I think yeah so hairy faces yeah it says what a lot of hairy faced men there are around nowadays 
When a man grows hair all over his face, it's impossible to tell what he really looks like. This is a point that I've made in the past. The beard yeah. fashion yeah. that's going on at the minute, it's and it's disguise. gone on for like five years now. Yeah, You've got fellas there who've got the big beards. They've got into relationships with women. As a result, the women like the beards. But well, at some point, I don't fashion's really going to move on. I don't like the beards. Fashion's going to move on. Times are going to change. The beards are going to have to come off. Uh, a bit like in um, 1984, 1985, I think it was, when Dexys brought out Don't Stand Me Down and Kevin mm. Rowland got rid of all the dungarees and the hat mm. and the big mm. mop of hair and he got it combed nicely and he put a suit on. Looked like a different fella. Yeah. Didn't have any yeah. stubble or anything like that. Well, he was always changing things up, wasn't he? He was. I so mean, next eventually, thing you know, the cunt was wearing a dress. Cunt's got always a dress on, hasn't Didn't yeah. see that coming. Again, ahead of his, his time. nails the lot. Every cunt's in a dress now. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, eventually these beards are going to come off. And these women who've got involved in relationships with these men, let's say solely because of the beards, they're going to see they've got weak chins. They are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're weak of chin. I'm cohabiting, cohabiting with a weak chinned man. Jalapeno. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Jalapeño. Well, very often the geezers who grow the biggest beards are the ones who are the most wimpish, right? Yeah. Because it's a, it's, a com- com- a it's an easy it. disguise, isn't it? Mm. Right. If you're the weak-chinned boy at school, <laughs> mm. I've got that weak chin. The big boy is bullying me. Yeah. Right. Then you grow a big beard and you go around giving it. Yes, I'm actually a woodcutter from yeah. can- from the wilds of Canada. You're yeah. not fooling anyone, cunt. The only acceptable form of facial hair really the, as far as you should ever let it go is design a stubble of the sort sported by George Michael in the Faith era yeah or Don uh, Johnson or in Don Miami Johnson. Vice yeah in Miami Vice that, that's enough lads just stick yeah. it stick with that yeah yeah glad we agree on that yeah mm. so uh, yeah uh, a man uh, Dahl correctly says it's impossible to tell what he really looks like and then he says perhaps that's why he does it He'd rather you didn't know. Yeah, Fucking shifty cunt. Bit of ins- yeah, exactly. Weak chin, shifty cunts. Mm. Uh, and then he talks about the problem of washing. And then he says, is it only yeah. once a week they do it on Sunday nights? Do they shampoo it? Do they use a hairdryer? Do they rub hair tonic in to stop well, their faces from going bald? They, they do. They, well, do they, don't have, they? they have beard oil. Beard oil, they? yeah. Ridiculous. I saw an advert for some stuff today which prevents... Um, a beard dandruff did you know that's a thing well it doesn't surprise me I mean Fucking I didn't hell. but it doesn't shock me because yeah. I've often thought all shit can, all sorts of shit can come out of those things well we find out in this don't we because mm. Mr Twit's got all sorts going on in his beard but yeah so this advert and this cunt's got he's got a green t-shirt on I think and he's just got loads of like white flecks of uh, dead skin all over his t-shirts all out of his people big beard. who are into beards they all like to pretend it's like ye olde Victorian times as well don't they mm. so they can't have a beard oil it has mm. to be old old father peculiar's you know beard ointment beard tonic yeah tonic and ointment and all of that shit 
because they like to. They, as well, they, I don't know why. I don't know why they like. I tell you, do you know why they like to think it's pretend it's Victorian times? I tell you why. Because mm. all of these fucking idiots with beards are always posh cunts, right? Mm. Aren't they? It's always like middle class private school boys who are trying to like look a bit edgy, so they grow a big beard, right? And of right. course they wish it was Victorian times, because the women didn't have the vote. The working man didn't have the vote. Yeah. And them and their sort just fucking ruled the roost, didn't they? Yeah. They had big, they well, owned factories and big fucking workhouses and all the rest of it. And that's why all of their cultural things, all these, like, all the posh kids who live out in places like East London, right? They all um, dream of it being back in Victorian times, I think. When they, had, when they had their own slaves. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Kind of round here, there's there's not that many posh cunts, and I still see a few beards knocking around. I don't think it's exclusively posh cunts, but I would imagine that about seventy five percent of people with these beards are pricks. Yeah, I would um, say so. And about forty five percent of them are probably sex offenders. I think the older men with beards are different kettle of fish. What? I mean, I think men, men, o- men over sixty with a beard. Yeah, but what kind of beard are you talking about? You're talking like a tidy beard, like Noel Edmonds has got. Oh well, yeah, that's I mean, just a, that's just a face covering, isn't it? It's not the, one of the big ones that you can hide stuff in, like a Mister Twit beard. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You don't get many older men with a big fucking beard, do you? Nah, but if they do, they're probably sex offenders or criminals. Yeah, yeah, they're nonsense. Uh, so where are we? Uh, do they go to the barbers to have their hairy faces cut and trimmed or do they do it themselves in the front of the bathroom mirror with nail scissors? And then he says, I don't know. He's like, fuck it, I've done enough on this page about beards. Yeah, um, I don't give a fuck. He's, he's submitted it like that and the editor's gone, ah, oh, yes, rolled, rolled. Fucking sort of name's rolled. There's I think a lot he was that he fucking always. asked about that as well, isn't it? Who named rolled. him rolled? It's Jemima, your editor. Uh, uh, Puffin books. Uh, I really like the first chapter you sent through. There's a couple of lines I don't think are working. After your very amusing introduction about beards, in which you pose a number of very uh, entertaining questions, you all of us rather abruptly write the word the the line. Anyway, I don't give a fuck. I'm not sure that's appropriate for the audience we're going for. Well, fucking change it then, love. I couldn't care less. You've got the draft now. It's up to you now. Change what you fucking want. If there's one thing people say is good about me, Roald Dahl, it's that I don't give a fuck about the end product. Once I've added it over, you can do what the fuck you like with it. I'm, fucking easy. I'm easy to work with. i tell you that much. Because it, yep. when it's done, it's done. After that, the rest is up to you. I I'm send not going to be fucking precious. And then I, I move on to the next one. I cannot remember a single word of what I wrote, right? Of what I sent to you. I can't even remember the fucking title I gave it. It's called The Twit. Yeah, well, shit name. Change that as well if you want. <laughs> the old thing fell I out of my arse in I 20 minutes. I almost called it The Twats, you cunt. <laughs> I fucking wrote it on a helicopter. Bumping all over the place it was. That's why it looked a bit messy when I sent it in. 20 minutes on helicopter and we're flying from Buckinghamshire up to Manchester right for a meeting and on the way I just knocked out a fucking book because <laughs> that's the best thing about doing kids books I found this early on you can do them really fucking short kids have got no attention span my mate Kingsley anyway. Evans right 
He knocks books out. They're about fucking 400 pages long. I says, Kingsley, you're a fucking idiot. You can do one for a kid. 70 pages max. Takes you half a day. <laughs> you can do it on your helicopter. Oh, sorry, you don't have one, do you? But if you had one, which, by the way, you fucking might do if you started writing children's books like me, right? Instead of your shit, boring long books that no one wants to read. Lucky fucking Jim. Fuck off. Lucky Jim. Fucking unlucky cunt more like. That's what I call it. <laughs> Lucky Jim by Unlucky Con, aka Kingsley Amos. If you spent less time writing fucking grown-up books and more time writing kids' books, you'd have more time on your hands hanging around with your son, and he wouldn't turn out to be a cunt either. He's a fucking basket case, that one, isn't he? <laughs> fucking Martin. Fucking Martin, what? He didn't have much fucking hope growing up with a so- fucking soft name like that. Should have given him a good proper fucking name like Rold. <laughs> Think about it. No cunt's going to start a fight with someone called Rold, are they? <laughs> Martin? Fucking hell. You're asking for him to be bullied. Martin! <laughs> when you're dropping him off at school in your fucking car because you can't afford a fucking chopper. So, uh, yeah, he says, I don't know, he says, but next time you see a man with a hairy face, which will probably be as soon as you step out onto the street, mm-hmm. well, that's bullshit, but whatever, maybe you will look at him more closely and start wondering about some of these things. He's killed a page there, hasn't he? He's filled a page up. Yeah, with we've all done shit. it, mate. So, we've all done well, it. <laughs> but he's done it right at the offset. Yeah. He's done it right at the beginning. You usually he's get like that down. towards the end of a long day writing. But not yeah. rolled. He's on it right at the beginning. Fucking hell. Am I on fucking 400 words yet? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking knackered here. I can mur- I've got to get down the fucking juicer. I'm parched <laughs> like a cunt. <laughs> That's chapter one. Yeah. That's chapter one in the Four. bag. I've got headache bag. now. I'm fucking parched. I've got headache. I just need to get down the fucking feathers and get a fucking pint. And a bag of crisps down my fucking throat because that has exhausted me, to be honest. Hey, I'm going to ring Kingsley Amos up. Oh, Kingsley! Yes, yeah, roll. Yeah, <laughs> I've just done a chapter, mate. Took me fucking 77 seconds. <laughs> Some fucking record, that. <laughs> How much have you done today, eh? How many chapters have you done? None. <laughs> None. Because you've been sitting around staring out a fucking window thinking of a metaphor to describe a fucking tree. I just fucking wrote 77 words about the problems I've got with people with beards. Bang, they are done. Chapter one. I send each chapter to the publisher as I go along so they've got plenty of time to change it to their own liking. (laughs) (laughs) And I, my friend, am en route to the fucking boozer in the (laughs) helicopter. (laughs) Check your watch, cunt. That's right, it's only (laughs) 3pm. Ah, so... Second chapter called Mr. Twit, and there's a great picture there by Quentin Blake of Mr. Twit with his massive beard. He's looking like an idiot. He's <laughs> like a fucking cunt, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, he looks like a dishevelled Brian Blessed. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. So there he is. He's just, I don't know what he's looking at. He's just standing looking into just think, the He looks thin like air. he's thinking. He's staring into the air, just doing. thinking confused thoughts about yeah. what to do to his wife next. Yeah. And Mr. Twit, it basically, again, continues with the hairy theme. He talks about Mr. Mr. Twit. He says, one of those very hairy-faced men. The whole of his face, except for his forehead, eyes and nose, was covered in thick hair. 
The stuff even sprouted in revolting tufts out of his nostrils and ear holes. Mr. Twit felt that his hairiness made him look terrifically wise and grand. Let's not forget Roald Dahl was bald. Now I'm mm. starting to see a, a theme oh, here. Oh, yeah, so he's anti-hair. The hatred hair. of the hairy, yeah. Well, that, yeah. That, that could easily be said about me, because I'm bald and I'm because here hating on Beardy, so... You are, yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe it is just the fact that I'm insecure and and resent, uh, uh, jealous mm. of them. Probably is, but that's your problem. They're greedy the about their hair. Fucking spread some around. Yeah. Rubbing it in my face. I've got none, and you're going around showing how much you got. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in truth, he was neither wise or grand. He was a twit, and he was born a twit, and now at the age of 60, he was a bigger twit than ever. He's fucking 60. Wow. Fucking hell. He looks not uh, bad for 60, to be honest. Yeah, it's all right. His eyes have got still a bit of sparkle in them. And he says he hasn't gone grey. No. Uh, the hair on his face didn't grow smooth and matted as it does on most hairy faced men. It grew out in spikes that stuck out straight like the bristles of a nail brush. How often did Mr. Twit wash this bristly nail brushy face of his? The answer is never. Not even on Sundays. He hadn't washed it for years. The dirty bastard. That's another chapter. There you are. Chapter two. Bang. Oh, Kingsley. Yeah. Done another one. I've got to the pub and I've written a second one on the back in the pub of two <laughs> fucking beer mats, right? I asked for a bar off from behind the bar, right? They were happy to oblige because I'm easily their most famous and richest fucking patron, right? So I pretty much do what the fuck I want. Sometimes I walk around the bar pour myself a fucking pint. No one's saying that, right? <laughs> got me biro. And while I was draining pint number two, I knocked out a second chapter. I thought, why not? Why not? I'll treat them. I'll do another one. Chapter two, Mr. Twit. It's, again, it's all about the air on his face and that. You know, this I'm, one was not, even shorter than the first cunt. <laughs> and then chapter three continues in the same vein. It's called Dirty Beards. This is just a tirade now. For right, what should I do the third one about? I'm going to do it about beards again. Fuck I'm it. Those first, fuck it. The first the two beards. felt good. They felt good. So I'm going to fucking carry on. If it's not broke, don't fix it. I've probably got about a quarter of the book done by this point because fucking hell, you can do 15 <laughs> pages and they'll take it. Be one of them little ones that can read a bedtime. It'll be all about fucking beards. <laughs> Silly cunts can read it themselves or get their fucking daft parents to read it to them. I don't, I don't know how it fucking works. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he says he's trying to um, get us all to side against the beards here he says as you know an ordinary un- unhairy face like yours or mine he's <laughs> assuming that we don't have beards simply gets a bit smudgy if it's not washed often enough and there's nothing so awful about that but a hairy face is very different things cling to hairs especially food things like gravy go in right among the hairs and stay there you and I can wipe our smooth faces with a flannel and we quickly look more or less all right again, but the hairy man cannot do that. <sighs> I don't know what to make of this. This is just... This is a it's hate speech? Is that what it's becoming? Yeah. Against it's a bit the, over the, the top. with facial hair? Mm. He says... We, he's, he's painting them all as, as slovenly pig-like characters that mm. aren't able to fucking eat properly. But, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say that. Uh, we can also, if we're careful, eat our meals without spreading food all over our faces, but not so the hairy man. Watch carefully next time you see a hairy man eating his lunch, and you will notice that even if he opens his mouth very wide, it's impossible for him to get a spoonful of beef stew. Oh, beef stew. 
or ice cream and chocolate sauce into it without leaving some of it on the hairs. Mm. How often and how closely has Dahl been um, studying people? This sounds to me like he's either been bullied by a bearded person, bested by a a bearded man, who perhaps he met a bearded man who was maybe richer than him once, and that upset him. Or he's even had a woman stolen by a bearded man. cuckolded by a bearded man. Yeah, I think that's what I mean, it is. This is if you look at 1980, text, I don't know how prevalent beards were, but I suppose in the public eye, in 1980, Edmonds probably would have been the most famous beardy, but like you say, even back then, his beard was very well trimmed. Nothing like this sort yeah. of beard. Yeah. Who else was bearded the, the, back well, then? Well, this stems, I think, from the early 70s, really, doesn't it? Where mm. beards were longer and uh, people were, you know, the, the, the group's... Like we say, Leonard Skinner. It was a hippie thing, wasn't it? It was sort of, you, yeah. you were probably hippie and a bit like Jeremy Corbyn kind of mm. left wing, and maybe he was against that sort of person. Maybe there was a hippie festival that took place on the land next to where Roald Dahl lived. Next to his compound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, on some fucking free land or something, or some squatters. He, yeah, no, he had, had a, a huge festival. compound with his own private army. By the end, he <laughs> yeah. was that rich. He had them all, and um, yeah, he he came very close to t- telling them to turn their rifles on the hippies. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it is. So uh, yeah, he talks again about the kind of things that the the, the hairy men eat: uh, scrambled eggs, spinach, tomato ketchup, fish fingers, minced chicken livers, Ooh. and other disgusting things. Oh, chicken livers sound nice. And then there's a diagram drawn by Quentin Blake, which shows a close-up of a face. It's only got three teeth in the mouth. It's someone who's clearly disgusting. Is that a fourth tooth protruding at the front, or is that a bit of beef? No, that's a, bit that's of a, a, a bit lump of stilton of, cheese. Yeah, stilton cheese that is attached to some spiky hair. I mean, this picture here is one that's always lived with me, and I'm sure anyone else that read this book at a young age. You mm. always remember this. Like, his takedown of beards was... It was effective because for years I think, you know, I just couldn't see someone without thinking of this specific imagery. He's done a close-up, Quentin Blake, yeah. with arrows pointing to the bits of food in the beard. And to be fair, I don't know what the longest you've ever gone without shaving is. I, I have actually attempted to sort of, you know, let it grow out a couple of times. Yeah. But it gets my, to the, the point where it just gets too scratchy. And yeah, I, just just this, I never feel it. clean. I never yeah. feel clean. I feel clean and fresh. Do you know what I mean? No matter how much you wash your face or, or whatever, and you could even get in the shower and rub a bit of shampoo into the beard, you never feel quite clean. And it, and it's true when you're eating. Bits do feel like they're getting stuck. It's an encumbrance. Down. I like to be streamlined. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do you know what so, I mean? Especially my face. Yeah. I like my face to be able to move quickly because you never know when it's going to need to be nimble. Yeah, I don't think you can live out loud. You can't live out got, loud with uh, a, beard. a beard. No, it slows you down. Yeah. Uh, but then there you go there's the diagram there and um, he mentions maggoty green cheese a mouldy old cornflake even the slimy tail of a tin sardine oh blimey so we're in a uh, it's quite a big chapter this one quite a long one dirty beards he's really gathering pace with this but um, and he says because of this Mr Twit never really went hungry by sticking out his tongue and curling it sideways Mm. he was always able to find a tasty morsel here and there to nibble on which is disgusting. Um, 
but then that's the point that Dahl's trying to make, isn't it? He's saying these are the yeah. kind of people we're dealing with. The bearded men will uh, can survive probably in the wild from eating things that are hidden in their beards. Uh, and he just ends the chapter by saying he was also an extremely horrid old man, as you will find out in a moment. And uh, we will find out next time, because that's yeah. it for now. It's an interesting uh, deep dive into a very entertaining book and what we didn't see coming, it's a deep dive into a very interesting life, that of Roald yeah. Dahl. We never see it coming, do we, Sam? It just always never do. manifests no. itself in front of us. That's the Twits Odyssey Part 1. Thanks for listening. Uh, TTFN, dickheads. See ya. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.